You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. Are we truly believers? Are we born again? Are we truly authentic followers of Jesus Christ? Now, most, if not all of us, desire things that are authentic, all right? If you are a collector, you want to collect things that are authentic. You don't want to fake. We have a whole system in our government, the Secret Service, to make sure that our currency, our money is authentic, that it's not counterfeit. We desire in our human relationships people to be real, to be authentic, And so in many areas in our lives, we desire things to be authentic, to be real. Well, the Lord wants us to be authentic and calls us to evaluate, are we authentic Christians? And so as we study 1 John, we we ask ourselves that quick question, am I an authentic follower of Jesus Christ? This question came to me uh, this week, and it's a reality that's hit me in my own personal life. But did you know that we can go to church? And of course, we don't go to church. We are the church. So how can you go to something that you are? But that's a whole conversation for another time. But we, go to, we can go to church for decades upon decades upon decades and be just as lost and unsaved as someone who has never stepped foot in church. Jesus even alluded to this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus was instructing his disciples, and he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name, then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. What Jesus is describing is that on that day, there will be many that will stand before him, and they will say, didn't we do a lot of good things on your behalf? Didn't we prophesy and drive out demons and do miracles in your name? Maybe in our 2009 vernacular, we would say, didn't I give a lot of money to the church? Didn't I volunteer to the, for the church? Didn't I do a lot of good things, live a good life? And Jesus says, I'll announce to them, I never knew you. James 2.19, James writes to the church in Jerusalem. He says, you believe that God is one, good. James says, that's a good thing. You believe that God is one? Good. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. So we can go to church for decades and be just as lost and unsaved as someone who's never stepped foot in church. In my own personal life, I found that. I grew up in church. I have been in church since conception. Since conception, I've been in church. And I remember I was about six years old. My parents were are really good people, godly people. They serve in their church. They've been involved in church ever since I've been a kid. I remember I was about six years old. I was in a Sunday school class, and I believe my Sunday school teacher was, was well-meaning. 
But I was in this Sunday school class as a six-year-old, as a young elementary kid, and I remember my teacher, she was teaching us in that room, about maybe 10 kids, I guess, teaching us about heaven and hell. And she was describing heaven, you know, the streets of gold, the pearly gates, all that, describing hell. And at the end, she said, boys and girls, close your eyes, bow your heads, fold your hands. And she said, if you would like to go to heaven with Jesus, with the angels, and with your mom and dad, say this prayer. And if you, if you don't say this prayer, then you could go to hell with Satan and his demons. And so as a six-year-old, I could do a cost-benefit analysis. and like, this is a no-brainer. So right there in that Sunday school classroom, I said, Jesus, I want to go to heaven with you and my parents and and don't want to go to hell. And so I prayed that prayer as a six-year-old, basically to get my get-out-of-hell-free card. And that was it. And I believe she was well-meaning. But as I grew older into middle school and high school, I was filled with a lot of doubt. I remember hearing the gospel and asking myself, did I have any idea what I was doing as a six-year-old? That I have a clue. I remember laying in bed at night and thinking about heaven and hell and, and thinking about those things and saying prayers like a hundred times. I probably did this. Prayed prayers like, God, if I'm not saved, save me. And it wasn't until I was about 16 years old that I realized that my salvation was not based upon a prayer that I said or walking an aisle, or I even got baptized as a kid, getting wet in a baptistry. My salvation is not based upon what I do. It's not based upon if me being a good kid and keeping God happy. My salvation was not based upon my parents and my parents being good people. My salvation was based purely upon the work of Christ on the cross. It wasn't anything that I did. It was how he did it. And so it was at 16 that I fully began, not, not fully, because I'm still learning that, but I began to understand it's not me, it's Christ. And so I'm not trying to get anyone to unnecessarily doubt their salvation, but over the next 10 weeks, Leewood Faith Family, together we're going to be searching out scripture on what an authentic believer and Christian looks like. And then for those of us who have truly believed in Christ, my prayer is that our faith would be strengthened, that as we see the evidences of salvation, that we can walk away even stronger in our faith and our belief, and even stronger and more confident to share our faith in the gospel. But if then if you're here this morning, and if you're honest, you're not sure, sure of your relation with Christ, that you would see the joy of salvation. So let's look at 1 John and if you have a Bible, turn with me to 1 John. If you don't have a Bible, there is one there in the pew in front of you. You're welcome to use that. If you, would like, if you don't own a Bible and you'd like to take that home with you, that's our gift to you, and you can take that with you. So we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, and here is what it says. It says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen from our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. 
What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you, so that you may also have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So what's John saying here? He's basically giving a greeting in his letter, and what he is saying here is he's throwing his credentials out on the table. He's saying what was from the beginning, what we have heard, he's talking about someone. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Sounds a lot like how he opened up the gospel of John. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So there, there's a little bit of similarities right there here in verse 1 with John, the gospel of John chapter 1, verse 1. So we see some similarities here. But what John's really doing, he's, he's showing his credentials to his readers. And his credential is, I'm an eyewitness to this. We, he says, we, the, we, the apostles, we are, we are witnesses to this. We have heard him teach, Jesus teach. We've seen him with our eyes. We have observed and touched him with our hands concerning the word of life. John is saying, we've seen Jesus. We spent time with Jesus. We know Jesus. You can trust what we're having to say. All right, let's keep going. Verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and there's absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. John here is immediately going to the character of God. What characteristic, what attribute of God is John going right to? He's going to the holiness of God. Throughout Scripture, we see that light is used to uh, show the holiness of God, that God is holy in his light, that pure light, that God is holy, he is light. And then through Scripture, we also see the illustration of sin is darkness. And so John is saying that God is light. There's absolutely no darkness in him. So he goes right to the holiness of God, that he is holy, that he has no sin in him. And then he talks to us, the believer, It says, if we say we have fellowship with him, if we say we have a relationship with him, but we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. So what John is saying is, if we have a relationship with holy God, but we keep on sinning, living in a life of habitual sin, then the holiness of God in his character that lives us in the Holy Spirit, there's going to be friction. There's going to be conflict there. Because here's what happens when we come to know Christ. When we have salvation, Scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, enters into us, lives in us. And so that Holy Spirit is holy. Imagine that. He's holy. The holiness of God lives in us in the Holy Spirit. And so if we have a relationship and fellowship with God, the Holy Spirit that lives in us as we have the Holy Spirit, we will not keep on sinning. 
There's going to be friction there. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be war. There's going to be an internal battle going on because God, the Holy Spirit, and His holiness lives in us. That's not going to happen. There's going to be conviction that the Holy Spirit is going to bring into our lives. We're not talking about guilt because even the unsaved can feel guilt. We're talking about true conviction that there's something not right here. And so John is saying, if we walk in darkness, if we live habitual in sin, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. And so the authentic believer, the authentic Christian, there's going to be that conviction of sin. There's going to be when we sin, there's going to be brokenness. When we sin, there is going to be correction that happens and then change that's going to come about through the conviction and the correction of the Holy Spirit. But then John goes on to say, verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship, not with just God the Father, but we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his, sin, uh, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we see that the authentic believer and Christian has in the experiences conviction of sin that leads to holiness. Let's keep going. Let's look at verse 8. It says, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. If we were to take a poll this morning, I, and we were to take a poll, and we were to pass out a survey, collect those surveys back together, and then announce the results of the poll, and the poll question is, are we sinners? I think it would probably come back 100%, I would imagine. Just a guess, but I would imagine. I don't think there's anyone here that would say, yeah, I am not a sinner. Maybe I could be completely wrong on that, but it, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. So we might read this and we might think, well, I would never say we have, I have no sin, so I'm not going to deceive ourselves, but I'm not deceiving myself. But as a Christian, there's an acknowledgement of sin in our lives. We're going to understand who we are. We're going to understand the holiness of God and our sinfulness. We're going to understand where we stand with God, with his holiness and our sinfulness and the separation that becomes from it. But oftentimes in our lives, do we not live our lives, even as Christians, as if we have no sin? Oftentimes we live our lives and we live as if we have no sin. We're good at throwing a facade up. We're good at thinking that we're overall good people because, I mean, I haven't murdered anyone, so therefore that makes me a good person. I haven't gone out and robbed a bank, so therefore I'm a good person. Or we compare ourselves to each other. Well, I think I'm a pretty good person compared to 
John Crawford, I think I'm a pretty good person, or Mike Sanders or whoever, I feel like I'm a pretty good person. But when we understand that we are all in the same boat together of sinfulness, and that it's really like standing at the Grand Canyon, that because of our sinfulness, it's as if we're on one side of the Grand Canyon, and because of God's holiness, He's at the other side of the Grand Canyon, and it doesn't matter if we're better than each other. Because we can try to jump across that canyon with our goodness, and you might be able to jump farther than me, or I might be able to jump farther than you, but it doesn't really matter because we're not jumping across that canyon because we're sinful. And so in the life of a believer, we have to just not say we have no sin, but live a life of transparency, of being authentic with one another, of our sinfulness. Just like John preached a couple weeks ago out of Psalms, that confessing our sin, our brokenness before God brings healing. And that Grand Canyon, because of the blood of Christ that cleanses us, from all unrighteousness, that's a bridge across the canyon to where we can have fellowship and relationships with God. And then I love verse 9, because we're all in the same boat, we're all sinful, and so instead of saying we have no sin, it says verse 9, that the life of the authentic Christian is a life of confession, Because he says, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous, or as some translations say, just, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Like I said earlier, as Christians, we are pretty good at putting on facades. We're good at using the right language with each other and and showing that everything is right, that I'm a good Christian, I have a good standing with God, I'm spiritual, I'm right with God. We're good at that, and oftentimes that can creep into our own personal lives. But a Christian is to confess our sins. Why? Because it says God is faithful. He's righteous, He's just, and so when When John writes that God is righteous and just to forgive us our sins, he's saying that God is qualified. He is able to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you're here this morning and you're not sure of your relationship with God, God offers salvation. He offers forgiveness of sins. Believe him. If you're here this morning and you are a believer, don't fall to the temptation of of throwing up spiritual facades and fakery, but confess our sins. Because God's faithful, He's righteous and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then in verse 10, He closes the chapter out. He says, If we say we have not sinned, We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. See, there's a danger in not being authentic. There's a real danger when we live our lives. We may not verbally say we have no sin, but if we live our lives as if we have no sin, 
It says we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Throughout Scripture, we see that God takes sin very, very seriously. Because he's holy. It's in direct conflict with his, his true character. And we see that God takes sin extremely seriously. God took sin so seriously that something had to die for the forgiveness of sins. In the Old Testament, we see a bunch of animals being killed for the atonement of sin. Then we come to the New Testament and we see a better lamb, a better sacrifice in Jesus Christ dying for the forgiveness of sins. And so God is holy. He takes sin seriously, but he's also a loving God in that he came as Jesus Christ and died on the cross for the sins of the world, but also took the wrath of his own sin, the wrath that he has for sin upon himself. He took his own wrath upon sin on the cross and offers offers cleansing, atonement to us. But here's what sin does. Sin cheapens the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. See, as we sin, sin, even as believers, as we sin, we are making the sacrifice and death of Christ on the cross cheap. When we live a life of sin and we walk in sin, we're making that that tremendous sacrifice that Christ made for us on the cross. We're making that cheap. We're making it not important anymore. And we're making him a liar. When we have sin in our lives, we are really saying, Jesus, you wasted your time coming to die. We cheapen it. We're making him out to be a liar, a fool. And his word is not in us. And so, faith family, let's not live with a facade over our lives, but let's confess our sin. Let's be authentic and real about our sin. If you're here this morning and you're not sure of your relationship with God, maybe you've been in church a really, really long time and you've learned to play the game. You know how to say all the right things. You know the right things to wear. You know how to interact with church people in the right way, but you may not be truly a believer and living your life as if you have not sinned. Don't make Christ a liar. Believe in him. Understand that he doesn't offer judgment for sin. He offers forgiveness for sin to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You may be sitting here and you are a believer in Christ and you have that confidence. I hope this morning as you've heard about the conviction of sin in our lives and not walking in darkness but walking in light and you look at your life and you see that. You see that that conviction, that miserable state of life that can come about when we sin My prayer for you is that you walk away here confident in your faith. That is an evidence of authenticity in your life. 
of authentic faith, of being an authentic Christian. Maybe here, you're here this morning and you're like me when I was 16 and you realize that I don't feel that conviction of sin. I can sin and it doesn't really bother me. My encouragement to you would be to truly search out and pray, am I truly in the faith? Am I truly a Christian? And if you're here this morning, maybe you're, you're searching. You're searching for the truth. Let me encourage you to believe in Jesus because he offers forgiveness of sins and he can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Pray with me. Lord, this morning we acknowledge your holiness. We acknowledge that you are light and in you is no darkness. And I pray for those of us who are your followers, your children, I pray that you would help us to walk in the light, purify us to be like you. Reveal sin in our lives. Break us of our sin so we can walk as you walk. God, I pray for anyone that's here. Maybe they've been in church for a really long time and they are just wrestling with do they truly believe God I pray you would just open their eyes in a way that only you can Holy Spirit and that you would show them their need of salvation God I pray the same for maybe one that does not know you and they're searching for the truth reveal the truth to them open their eyes to their sin and their need for you Lord, most of all, we desire to be authentic, to be real, not just for our own benefit, but for the benefit of our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also the world, so we can make you known. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We're located at 8200 State Line Road in Leewood, Kansas. Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. To learn more about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com.